Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Smart Women. I'm Nicole Matheson, your hostess. And I'm bringing you an episode I'm going to title Gathering Your Toolkit. (laughs) And this, I'm going to say, is part three of Self-Regulation is Sexy. So if you haven't listened to Self-Regulation is Sexy part one and two, maybe you want to go do that now. But you can also start here because in part one and two, we talked about why self-regulation is important in your relationship. And in part two, I led you through um, a a guided visualization, I don't know what to call it, um, where you had an experience of my favorite way to self-regulate, to calm myself down, to soothe myself when I'm triggered and emotional and ah, fired up and ready to attack awfully in that survival brain. But what I kind of feel was missing from those episodes and what I'm trying to attempt to feel now is this idea of having a toolkit that works for you where there are different things that you can pull out when you're in different aspects and different different ways of being emotional, triggered, flooded. Because it's not always going to be the one thing that is going to work for you. It's great to have a variety of things you can pull out when you need. And the other thing I want to address here is this idea that Not everyone is open to a visualization or to the idea of meditation or to the idea of even breathing. I've had many a client when I have suggested breathing deeply into their belly, just go, no, no, can't do that. It just makes me feel worse. And I absolutely get that that is true, that it does make them feel worse And we need to kind of honor that and find avenues and ways that that work, even if this is something you've never been able to achieve before. Yeah, even if this has never been something you've been that has been available to you, because every time you've tried, it's felt too scary or it's made you feel panicky or the emotions feel like they're going to override you or it's just something that you feel like you fail at. So many people feel like they fail at meditation and that in turn means that they don't have a really substantial toolkit. They don't have a way of really tuning in to themselves and that is a problem. Dismissing our emotions is kind of the option and dismissing our emotions does not work well we can make it work maybe while we're teenagers or maybe in our 20s or maybe even if you're particularly able to be stoic and go onwards you might be able to even into your 30s but eventually it comes crashing down and cracks us open and explodes out or gives us panic attacks or 
my in my case at around 29:30 i had a a breakdown in the form of a physical breakdown but it it was me dismissing my emotions dismissing my truth dismissing my inner parts and any having a relationship internally because i was just not willing to go there it is very important that we develop our toolkit and we step gently and safely and in a way that feels available and comfortable to us towards growing our toolkit it's important for yourself because it leads to burnout and like i was saying to some kind of cracking open or um breakdown but for your relationships it's so important because one of the foundational things about being in a relationship is that you need to have just like a body just like nature a feedback loop you need to know how your partner is responding to you and you need to be able to have your partner know how you're responding to them and that can trigger us because an attachment bond feels so important and so charged and so attached we're so attached to it that our emotions become very big around that feedback loop but we're going to have a feedback loop unless we decide to live together separately without an emotional connection or without emotional safety where you can't actually say what you want and have any feedback we need to be able to regulate and create the capacity within us to get feedback And this brings us to this idea of a window of tolerance that is used in psychology models <clears throat> that I'll just briefly go into here which is basically you want to remain within this window this space between busting out the bottom of the frame in which case you would be sort of despondent and low energy and kind of switched off or busting out the top of the frame of the window where you would be hypo hyper and um anxious and reactive. And so you want to be able to remain in that window um as much as possible and that is your job. So many people are not comfortable with going there and because of that avoid the whole self-calming self-relationship self-exploration and you know it makes them feel more uncomfortable they're unable to maybe visualize they're unable to get out of their head enough for this to work they have beliefs that might say to them the minute i stop moving stop being in action the worse it gets the more my head takes over and this is totally true but it's also just a sign that you need to practice right so what i'm going to do is start with some places you can start if this is you and give you 
a bunch of ideas of things you can play with and practice and make your own. And um, and we'll, as we go through, they'll probably get more, a little bit more, uh, I'm going to say harder. No, that's not the right word. More, more attunement is required as we go through these practices. And there are thousands of ways of things that you can put in your toolkit. This is absolutely not all of them. But look, and you can find them on the net. I, I wanted to give you guys a place to start. So here are a few ideas and it's very important that you honor yourself and let it be the the place to start for you. Let it be whatever feels most available, most comfortable. Even if it stretches you a little, that's okay. It probably will stretch you a little. Here are a few ideas. So when you're triggered... Um, the first bunch of these are about interrupting thoughts. Now, this is very different to dismissing feelings. Our thoughts are often, and our thinking is often what create the problematic (laughs) rumination, uh, the feelings, the biochemistry, the psychological responses, and they take you further and further into a downward spiral. So it's important as a starting place to interrupt the thoughts. This is not denying what's going on in your body, but it's stopping it from getting worse. So a couple of ways to do that. Um, one way is to count backwards, starting from, say, 100 so you could count backwards like 100, 99, 98. But for many of us, that's going to be too easy because we've maybe practiced that in the past. And we want something that your brain has to actually think about so that it can't think about the other thing. So it's often recommended that you count backwards in, say, threes. So 100, 97, 94. Yeah, I have to think about that just that little bit more. It means there's not much space for the rumination and that pathway. So you could do that. Um, Something else is look around the space you're in and find all the things that start with the letter S. So getting your mind to look for things. I used to do this when I had toddlers, I remember. I remember hearing that um, they also needed to be distracted from the the thought process they were in when they were having a tantrum. And one way to do that was to ask them a question and their brain would actually go into seeking the answer mode and that would in turn calm them down enough to actually process things better. Um, You could play word games, like think of all the sports uh, that you love or something, I don't know, or um, find a word such as banana and then the next word has to start with the last letter of that, apple, and then the next word might start with E, so it would be egg, and then G, and onwards. Um, So you want to get your brain into... uh, a state that's more regulated so that you can use your whole brain, not just your reactive survival brain. 
Just think about how important this is when you're in a communication cycle with your partner. My first rule of communication is not to communicate when you're in that flooded, emotional, triggered state to take time out, but to always let them know that you just need some time out to calm down and you'll be coming back to discuss this later. Otherwise, you can um, trigger abandonment stuff. Um, Some other ways to do this that are more in the body and it's important to come back to the body and out of the, the thinking mind is consciously pushing feet into the floor, consciously pushing palms together, maybe doing those both at the same time. That takes quite a bit of concentration. Um, I've, I've written here in my notes, noticing things in the room. We have already talked about that, but this brings us to mindfulness and uh, mindfulness is is about bringing it into the present and to then noticing your own thoughts. But the first part of that, bringing it into the present, can be done by activating your senses, right? So, so your senses are always in the present. What you smell and feel to touch and taste and see and hear is always going to be in the present, not the past, not the future. And so that is a mindfulness practice. And um, my husband and I are actually in the practice of doing this in, on our morning walk of, of firstly asking what we're grateful for and then what can we hear, what can we smell, what can we see. And it's just a nice way to come bring, bring us back to presence on our walk, but it's, it's definitely something you can do when you're, when you're triggered, like reminding your senses to be present. So um, doing something like three things you can smell. Sometimes it's hard to find three things you can smell. Three things you can hear. That's often much easier. Three things you can see. And, and that might be you might need to limit that that are blue because otherwise it's too easy for your mind. And often it's that reminder that the problem you are having 99% of the time is not in the present. So bringing yourself back into the present, bringing your mind back into the present, you're actually safe here. The problem is not here. It's in your thoughts. Um, I really like breathing, but again, it's not for everyone. But But often breathing can get stressed out there's a part of us that that gets stressed out and makes breathing harder when we put pressure on the breath when we start being really conscious about it but one that I find can be accessible to people is breathing through the soles of the feet or the palms of the hand and this has um, in mindfulness circles has some research done about it to, to show that it really does help to calm us down. Something about maybe the acupressure points, I don't know what it is. But breathing, th- imagining the breath moving through the soles of the feet and breathing out through the soles of the feet can be really quite grounding, that idea as well, especially if your feet are touching the earth or the floor. And the same with the hands. Breathing through the, 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 hand, the soles of the hands, the palms of the hands, there. Another thing that um, 
I remember reading about was this pressure point on your forehead that reacts to the cold to actually interrupt your nervous system from going into a downward spiral, from going into um, stress. And um, so you can, and, and you'll notice this when, when you dive into cold water, it's like there's an, there's an effect on your body. It does change your breathing, but there's an effect of your body of, of, of presence maybe. And they've started using this on flights, I've heard. They use it to calm people down who are having a panic attacks about flying. And so you can put something cold on your forehead to calm down. It's always a nice, easy one to have in your toolkit. Uh, but all the, all the um, information that's out there at the moment around trauma is really interesting because, uh, and the work of, is it Bessel, Bessel van der Kolk, I think, um, and his work on, on he's, he's looked at, how animals who've maybe like a gazelle who's just escaped an attack from, say, a lion or something, what they do to release the trauma from their body is they shake. And you'll notice this with animals. They shake it all off and then off they go and it's gone. And there's something in that. So trauma can, um, but also angst, also upset, also emotion is stored in the body if it's not moved through and um i was reading recently that tantrums kids like you know toddlers who tantrum it, it's actually really clever movement of all that feeling so they don't have to hold on to it and store it and be stuck with it so a tantrum could be something in your toolkit if you think about it, it's it's movement, and these are these are the aspects of moving through, and and having feeling move through your being is movement of the muscles, uh, breath, deep breath, voice. Um, that's it. Three movement, breath, and voice. And so a tantrum has all of that, but the other aspect to that, and this was something that we looked at quite a lot in kinesiology, was the left-right movement and access of both sides of the brain. And so the, the stomping of feet in a tantrum and the yelling and the, the noise and the breath, all of that together. So I've been practicing that with my family. I've, been, I've stood in the kitchen at times and had a, had a little tanty. And they're like, what's mum up to? It's fine. But encouraging it for my clients as well. Um, exercise is really good, right? But I believe we need to add the aspect of intention to exercise. We can't just have exercise as in our toolkit. Well, we can. It's something that's going to make us feel better. It's going to move stuff through. But it's going to move stuff through even more if we're allowing the feeling and intentionalizing the release of the of that stuff um, same with journaling it's great to just journal but it's even better if you're like okay I want to move through this feeling or these thoughts or release all this thinking onto a page um, 
And I actually have rules for my clients uh, to become really conscious about ruminating, to be, to be conscious about getting stuck in their story and their heads and all the things, the tales of woe and uh, the focus on lack, because that is usually really not helping the majority of the time. And so the rules for them are to get really conscious about ruminating and interrupt it when they notice that they're doing it. And instead, they have four or five things that they can do. One is they can grab pen and paper and journal it out and all the things they're actually thinking about that they would be just allowing to go through their head. They get it out onto paper and it's done. And so they still get to express it or think about it, but once it's on the paper, that's enough. Um, Another thing they can do is scream it into a pillow or out into the ocean or into the forest or in the shower, wherever they're able to scream, or in the car. It's another good place to scream. Another is to pray and hand it over to a higher power so you can actually really focus on that problem, but you're handing it over, and once it's handed over, it's done. Uh, Write a letter. You don't have to send, but you can write it to that person. Um, You could burn it. You could do all sorts of things with it. Cry meditate, all of these things. Coming back to uh, letting go of a thought, the idea of that, one of the activities I love and recommend to a lot of clients is leaves on a stream. And I think I've spoken about that on the podcast before. So you can Google that and find YouTube meditations or wherever you get your meditations you'll probably be able to find leaves on a stream it's an act acceptance and commitment therapy meditation and guide it but what I love about it is so it guides you to imagine you're sitting next to a stream and there's leaves floating down the stream and you pop your thought that you're having onto the leaf and watch it float away and it's gone and it might come back but you just pop it on a, on a leaf on a stream and You might even have the thought, I don't know if I'm doing this properly. And you can pop that on a leaf and let it float away. Whatever comes, you can just let it float down the stream. So it's just a really good practice of getting mindful and noticing your thoughts and knowing you don't have to have them. It's a choice. But what I also really love about that is I love that I can use that in a micro moment, having a thought while I'm on my way to a meeting and I can pop it on a leaf on a stream and watch it float away um crying is a great tool to have in your toolkit just really allowing it all to come out and flow through you allowing the emotion the ultimate is obviously um really being self-led which i talked about in self-regulation is sexy part two and Well, this is what I believe the ultimate is. The ultimate for me is what I've discovered. Um, And being that big mama part, being the part of me that can love and accept and acknowledge and validate and be grateful for my parts, no matter what they're upset about or how they're acting out, loving and accepting them and offering them support. Um, And... Part of that and part of where all of this is, this practice of 
getting all your toolkits, where you kind of want to be led, is to feeling it in your body and, and having that real connection between uh, no, noticing what's going on internally for you, what parts are active and where they actually show up in your body and how that feels. And um, um, just my la- this is my last idea for your toolkit. And it comes from Brandon Bay's journey work. And basically, in a nutshell, it's the idea of noticing the feeling in your body and then describing it, um, noticing the shape, the size, the texture, uh, how, you know, how much of your body it's taking up, where it sits, if there's any stories attached to it, any landscapes attached to it, any beliefs attached to it. And that can really start to transform things as you, as you try and notice what's going on rather than just escape from it or dismiss it. And, and the journey part of this is to trust that that is energy, that it's not a solid, it's not material yet, it's not metastasized yet, it's still energetic and thus you can actually travel and journey into the center of it and see what's at the core of that. And there might be another shape and another feeling there that you can see what shape, what size, what texture, what landscape, what emotions, what beliefs. And you keep going into the center. And eventually, ideally, eventually, always, inevitably, you get to love. And that's kind of backed up with the idea of the parts. They're always protecting you. That's their job. They're not actually trying to annihilate you or destroy you or create havoc in your life. They're actually trying to protect you. And that desire for protection comes from love and care. So there you have it. There's some ideas for uh, gathering your toolkit, finding some things. It's great to have, you know, a bunch of things in your toolkit. Um, What's in my toolkit? I definitely have uh, a tantrum. (laughs) I have journaling. I have leaves on a stream. I have yoga, especially kundalini yoga. Um... I have being the big mama to my parts. I have guided meditations, nature. Nature really works for me. What's in your toolkit? (laughs) What are the things that work for you? I'd love to hear. Pop me a DM on Instagram or an email. Let me know. Take care. Bye.